Jonathan Arcy. It's today. Samantha Garrison. What? And Emily Black. Hi. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually enunciated your name properly since I've started screaming your name. It yeah. just kind of comes out as like, what happened to Emily Blake? Emily Blake. Yeah, that's there my we name. go. Yeah, there. Now I've actually said it. Congratulations. Thank you. When you say uh, your name fast, it sounds like a. I like thought a her name was Theodore. <laughs> uh, and special guest, we just couldn't get enough of her last time. So we have Michaela Newsom. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> convinced i was going to swap the last names again i'm like no yeah. i got it this time you did it you yeah did it. i got it uh yeah last time was a lot of fun so we figured why not do it again uh let's do a quick where have you been doing before we jump into the movie for today is how i will say it because it's a weird one um i can go first i watched on netflix tracy morgan's new show the last og um and I thought it was really funny. Like, it legitimately made me laugh. It kind of made me wish that it took place in 30 Rocks universe and it was called Hard to Watch. Um, but it was great. And I, if you like Tracy Morgan and his brand of humor, I would highly recommend it. That's it for me, though. All right, cool. Uh, so I found a, just a, a I don't know what, you, what you, kind of game you'd call it, but it's called Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. You just click a bunch of buttons and things just happen, like an idle thumbs type of game. Um, it's fun. It passed some time, and uh, it's set in the D and D world. I was I was in a weird mood the other night, and I was like, let's find something kind of dumb to play. And it was dumb fun, but very simple. You just click on the buttons. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it sounds like a game I'll never play. But yeah, sure, no. cool. Last night I watched Dumplin' on Netflix. I have been looking forward to this since they announced it. It's a movie with Danielle McDonald from Patty Cakes and Jennifer Aniston. Obviously, you know where she's from, and um, it's got it's about a girl who really loves Dolly Parton and chooses to enter a beauty pageant, even though she hates beauty pageants and is bigger and thinks she's like really awkward. It is so good, and I cried basically the whole way through because I just love, I don't know, I just love girl power stories like that, and this was a particularly great one. And Danielle McDonald is incredible. And didn't Dolly Parton do all new music for it? Not all new music. She did two new songs okay. for it. But they're wonderful. Oh, and she learns all of her pageant skills from drag queens. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Emily, what about you? I saw Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. It was as good as everyone says it is. I've yet to see anyone not like it. But uh, it, is, it is absolutely phenomenal for all the reasons you can find online. So I'll just give my own personal. Uh, I was at a preview screening at City Walk. So it was a theater f- just chock full of like fans of the comic book. And I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan. Um, but as soon as the movie was over, I immediately went home and got on my comiXology and looked up Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen books because I was like, okay, well now I have to read them. Um, and, uh, the best testament I can give is that at the beginning of the movie, I was cold. So I put my coat, it was one of those reclining seat theaters. So I put my cold, my coat on my lap and about two thirds of the movie through the movie, I realized I was cold and I looked down and my coat had slid right off my lap onto the floor. No idea when that happened. That's how engrossed I was in this movie. I didn't even notice my entire... And it was It's a heavy coat. You know, I didn't even notice it falling on the floor. That's how good this movie was. Two thumbs up. Excellent. I immediately want to watch it again. I'm definitely going to get the Blu-ray when it comes out. Absolutely phenomenal film. Go see it. Awesome. Okay, so I haven't played video games in years, right? But I got... The very first video game I played as a child was the Spyro Trilogy. And they just remastered it. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking good. First of all, <laughs> they changed... Nothing. They left it like down to the words absolutely the same, but they just made it beautiful. Okay. Like it's just beautifully done and it's just it's fun for any age. It's really it's a fucking good game. I was never really been to Spyro. <gasps> I know. I wasn't into PlayStation, so How like dare. I, I didn't get into PlayStation until three, so I 
don't like any other console size PlayStation because I feel oh, okay. like the controllers are too big for my hands. Sure. When I was a little kid and I didn't like pressing the buttons, and now I have adult size hands, but I still don't like them. I mean, I'm I'm PlayStation or die now, but when I was a kid, mm-hmm. it was all Nintendo. Um, so let's move on to today's movie. Uh, for those of you who did not look at the episode you're listening to, we are talking about <laughs> Sorry to Bother You. Um, and I will say right now, if you have not seen Sorry to Bother You and you're going to listen to this episode, stop. Uh, I'm not usually one to say Nothing spoiler warnings. Nothing will make sense. A, it won't make sense. And B, there's it's not really a twist, but there is a plot point in this movie that if you know it going in, you'll gonna just, it. you're just going to be waiting for it the whole time. And I really feel like that doesn't help. I don't believe in spoilers and this is the one movie I've ever been truly happy I didn't know anything about going yeah, into it. Exactly. Like I cuz I usually read I'm like the last page of the book girl, you know, I'll read yeah. a synopsis before I watch a movie. And um yeah, no. This was one this, I didn't read anything about it cuz you told me about it so last yeah. minute. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, like Keith Stanfield's hot. I'll watch it. Yeah. And <laughs> So glad I did. He is, is hot. This is definitely one where when the moment comes, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it, if you yeah, if you know it going in, then you're not going to have that visceral reaction. And yeah. especially because I was told it was weird. And then... The trailers made it look like real quirky. And yeah, quirky, kind of fun, but not like more like not as weird as it went. No. Um, yeah, so that that's the end of the warning. If you are still in it from here on out, this really strange experience is going to be ruined for you. Uh, because there's horse people in it. Um, so there you go, horse people. Equisapiens. Equisapiens. Um, yeah, and that—that's. It was something that you kind of have to see it to believe it. It is bananas. It is bananas. Um, so really quick about this movie. Uh, never mind, that's not gonna work. So we'll just move straight into it. <laughs> I was gonna look something up on my phone, and I realized this room doesn't really get the internet. Yeah, so we're skipping that. Uh, and we're just gonna go straight into a breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. If it's at all possible, we're gonna find out. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this last night. Like, how the fuck? I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick to like three points and do my best. I think it's probably the best way to do this one. Um, but Johnny, you ready to go? Perfect. All right. So sorry to bother you in 30 seconds. Here we go, 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 go. All right. So there's this guy. He lives in his uncle's garage. He's like, I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go be a telemarketer. And then he realizes, well, I have to talk in a white people voice and I'll make more money because, you know, white people like buying stuff from other white people. And then he becomes a sellout and his girlfriend, Tessa Thompson, is like, you suck. And he throws eggs at her at an art show. It's very strange. And then all of a sudden he's doing cocaine with the higher ups. And then there's horse people. (laughs) And then there are people that are half horses and half people and they're using them for slave labor. And that's basically the whole thing. And that's 30 seconds. (laughs) Yeah. That was well done. done. Yeah, Yeah, that's well done. That's it. That that is the whole movie. I, when the horse person thing happened, I was just like, oh, wow. Oh, they, this is the, okay. I, I kind of suspected it. Oh, what? You suspected horse people? Not horse people, but well, kind of. So, um, (laughs) As, I expected like human someone, like rights horrible violations. Oh I no! As someone, I expected like human testing. This whole that sort movie of stuff. was so strange though from the get go. Like he set up a world that was pretty fucked up, and it reminded like it had an American Horror Story vibe to it. And I just oh, remembered sure. the horse people from Co- or the horseman from Coven, and 
Also, I've been watching a lot of Sabrina lately, so like Ooh. weird. You seriously thought there were going to be horse people? Not horse people specifically. I thought it was going to get weird. I okay, thought it would be right. like sentient ro- like robot okay. people. You know, like transferring no, I just, I can see you sitting watching the first worry-free commercial and going, oh yeah, they're going to be horse no, people. No, <laughs> I, I thought it was going to go in a more like get out kind of direction. Uh, I thought yeah. there would be a transference yeah. of consciousness. But like the horse people were... They were a surprise and that I was like, oh, you really went there. Like, yeah. this yeah. is, like, it became such a nastier movie. Like, it, it was like, oh, you actually followed your premise to its logical, it so horrible It so horrifying because it still had, like, a human being voice. And it was just, oh, God, it was awful. I mean, I'm it took pain. that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Help me. It took that idea of dehumanization and genuinely just went there. Yeah. yeah and I it, was like, whoa. And it's one of those things where, like, uh, I feel like it's a movie that like I've I've spoken to people on both sides of the fence on it and people who just fully hate it and other people who really loved it and there's a few people who are just like I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm so confused. Uh, I was really looking forward to this episode so someone can explain this movie to me. <laughs> I well, okay, so Go ahead. In my go. opinion, I get it because I'm like the worry-free thing, it's already happening, right? Like they already do stuff like that. Like Trump Tower in um Dubai does that. Our with, prison system yeah, yeah. Does, does that. Is that. Yeah. But it's like even in like they take uh, Bangladeshi immigrants in Pakistan. And Filipinos. Yeah, and Filipino. And they put them in basically dorms like that. They take their passports. They pay them not. Like the same yeah. thing happens. So I was like, okay, yeah, I could definitely see how like Americans just try to make it like a hipster thing, right? Like, cool. And then when the horse person thing happened, I was like, okay, so like you guys are really committing to this like workhorse modern day slave idea. And then I was like, you know, black people deserve a weird movie, and this is our weird movie. <laughs> so I just, I just tried to be like, you know, we deserve things too. We I, I think that's movie. that's where I got really confused though. Is at the beginning of the movie, it was like, okay, this movie's about racism. All right, I got it, got it. Yeah, white, you know, try to be white to succeed. That sucks, you know. Blah blah. blah. And then uh, dealing with that, and then the whole the N word thing going on in that party, and then all of a sudden. We went straight, like, it's almost like the racism part of the movie was not over, but kind of sort of shoved aside for the anti-capitalism, I guess, part of the movie. And that's where I was like, wait, 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 what? They're the same thing. Yeah, so what I was going to say is, like, I definitely get it because it's like capitalism itself, capitalism is built off the backs of slavery. So it's trying to create that idea of you can't have capitalism without racism, without, like, that's how it functions, which is, it's completely correct. And I'm like, okay, cool, I I get it. Like, I get the point. Um, And I also really liked how it was, like, him trying to call the police and scream to people that, like, there's horse people, and everyone's like... Okay, crazy man. Um, Because I'm like, that's what would happen. That's what happens, though, when you think about, okay, when you think about, like, our state of California, which is kind of regarded as liberal, even though that's a bit of a myth. But, like, by and large, it's regarded as a liberal state. Trump hates us because he thinks we're, like, a bunch of socialist weirdos, whatever. But our entire economy, the sixth largest in the world, is built on the back of migrant labor. Yeah. And half the reason we defend immigration policies without changing our economic policies is because we depend on these people for cheap, low-cost, unregulated labor. We capital capitalism is all about dehumanization. And so that's why, like, I know I scream about capitalist hellscapes all the time, including during the Emmett Otter episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like this for me was like my little dream movie because <laughs> I was like, no, this is what happens. And I think that there's that history of especially with men of color, like always treating them like animals Mm -hmm. and like seeing the imagery that was used in American Horror Story based off of a real woman who did this shit. It was like, oh, 
we just don't change. Well, like, also, did you notice too how like the way they constructed the horse people, especially with the very last shot when he bursts into the door, it's very much like an American werewolf. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. it's the werewolf body. Like, it's the way they hunched over, transforming that into like a, a werehorse almost. And it's like, it's constructed like the horror film. Or even their focus on the horse stick. Like, honestly, that oh, yeah. is the, the same dawn thing. shot. That was yes. insane. And, and, and it's a selling point. It like, is. Like, it's a, yeah, you might be a horse person, but you got a horse stick. And it's like, that would work on some people. It, and more, even more, it's like that's how, like, slavery in general, that's how black men kind of work hearted around and seen, even though it's, like, completely a myth. You know, like, yeah, sure. dick size is pretty much average for everyone. But it's like, no, they're, like, these huge horsemen with giant horse penises. And you know as soon as that had happened, weird sex stuff would start happening. There'd be weird sex horse oh, yeah. slave rings. As soon as I saw that, I was like, people are going to make weird porn out of this. And I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> and that's actually, that's a, the big problem with, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, like, with dildos. Um, if you want a black one, you can only, in, for the most part, you can only get in a giant sizes. Mm-hmm. All of the smaller dildos are all white men penises, mm-hmm. um, and which just reinforces that idea that black men all have big dicks and makes them fetishized. And yeah, so so the the thing that I want to move on to next with this movie, still kind of on the horse people, is uh, I think organically would be Army Hammer, uh, and I, I love Army Hammer. I think he's great. He was the perfect person for was. this role yeah. too, because he is. Like from a an American dynasty. Oh yeah, and like he just and he just has that look about him, and he sounds like it. And the thing that I think they did the best with is they clearly made him a villain while having him a hundred percent the hero in his own story. Oh yeah, from his point of view, he has done nothing wrong. Like and and it wasn't like a like, like you hear certain people say like I'm not the bad guy here, and it's like you know you're lying to yourself. And Army did such a good job believing his own bullshit. Like I thought he did a. Like perfect. Like so, you're turning people into horse people for profit. Yeah. What What's wrong with that? And what's very interesting about that character? Yeah, is he's got that not just the Silicon Valley vibe of any guy CEO who works there, but like there's also places I've worked before where there's kind of that vibe of like I've got a self help book or you know or like we're we're doing good for the whole world and we're we're very proactive and very good people and it's like on what. Yeah. <laughs> on what foundation and, yeah. and it like for me as I was watching this I had a few moments that I won't be specific about where I was like oh shit yeah we, hmm it recontextualized you know work in the past and it's very it's a very interesting kind of moment of just self-reflection that I wasn't prepared to have and it was very interesting and very scary yeah and it, it's weird not weird it, it's very well done, mostly through the gaze of Army Hammer. Like, and I just, I really like that they had that character in there because I feel like he could have been like a faceless, like, Worry Free is the conglomerate and that's the bad guy. Like, the entity of Worry Free is the bad guy. But actually putting a face on it was smart because it showed that, like, oh no, a lot of these people doing these horrific things assume that they're not doing horrific things and they don't get it. And that's not okay. Excuses and explanations are two completely different things. But but they believe it. They believe the the, the words. They believe like what they're Elon, telling. I think Elon Musk legitimately believes he's thinking of a positive future. Yeah. Without realizing what he's destroying in the process. And this guy would be the exact same way. Like yeah. he doesn't understand that like turning people into animals is a problem. He's like, well, we already treat them like animals, so why not just take the next logical step? Or like he thinks the offset of a hundred million dollars that fixes everything because yeah. it's like the American capitalist mindset is, well, I paid you for this, so now basically you're my slave because I paid you. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, you're not a slave. I paid you. Yeah, it's like my entire life is ruined. You but I, however, I, I want because you've got money. What's the deal? And but- that's the thing is he already drugged him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm still going to pay you, but that, but I didn't have a. Ch- 
you motherfucker. Like, <laughs> and I, I, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that, that, that manifests itself in all kinds of ways. Like how many of us, because our parents paid for college, feel like we have to do the job they want yeah. us to do or, or yeah. we can't disappoint them in some way because, well, you paid, you paid for my, up- I was just talking to somebody the other day. It was like, well, you know, I really have problems with my dad, but you know, I got to spend time with him because he paid for, he, he, he raised me, he paid for my college. I owe him. And it's like, no, that's not how that's supposed to work. No. That's like literally how our military works. And I think yeah. why we have so much mental, like people coming out with mental illness because they do something for free college, for the GI Bill, for easy home loans, for access to USAA, all great thing. Like I wish I had access to that. I tell my sister to adopt me all the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then they also have to go and work for a government that isn't defending freedom they're defending capitalist interests and they're exploiting them a lot of the people who are in the who are in military forces they're exploited and the ones that want to speak out and say something can't and it becomes like you're trapped you're trapped you can't leave they can put you in jail for leaving and who are those people poor minorities exactly like that's jumping back to the movie though sorry how quickly How quickly do you think the horse people would be sold to the military? Oh, on like they already weren't. They, yeah, like <laughs> they probably the military would be the first one to be like, "Here's our contract." Yeah, well, because get us especially the after the the riot where they yes. see how strong like they're moving cars. They're like, yeah. well, because worry free was already a government contractor. Yeah. So they were already sold to the military. Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> and we know the military loves to develop super soldiers. That's yeah. that's what PCP is. That's what all yeah. these drugs are. Yeah, so horse people, that's the ultimate super soldier. Yeah. yeah. Um, Speak, speaking of that riot, though, I think that was like, that's something I did get. Um, that he was, Army Hammer was like, oh, you're going to be the Martin Luther King, which I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be the Martin Luther King of these people, basically. And he was just like, no, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. But at the very final scene of the movie, that's exactly what's happening. Not, not oh, the yeah. Martin Luther King angle, but he is becoming the leader that exactly what Army Hammer wanted him to be in that moment. He's like, okay, well, I'll settle this down and take charge. And Army Hammer got 100% what he wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the Martin Luther King comment was actually really good because I think this is slightly off topic, but again, like a subcontext of the movie is it has to do with the whitewashing of MLK's legacy. When we oh, think sure. about Martin Luther King Day or Republicans like that, like to or Republican clubs that like to post, you know, Martin Luther King quotes mm-hmm. when they're doing racist, elitist things, it's the whitewashing of the legacy of who was a very radical man. Yeah. And if you look at the character he played, like he began as, you know, he had Tessa Thompson's character. He was this very radical die. He was going to help with this. And then he kind of gave it up for the money. And that's kind of the narrative that people like to play about MLK even though it's not true because he died he got shot in the head yeah yeah that's yeah this movie has like there's so much to unpack in this thing mm-hmm. um I, I forget his last name uh Boots is Boots his Riley first. Riley thank yes you. um he did such a good job with this movie it's like one of those things where it's like I will watch anything he makes next it was like, his first film yeah that's wow. insane and I, I usually am like you know how I get about artsy shit this sure. this managed to have like a lot of artistic choices that I didn't always understand uh, but they didn't make me like angry at yeah. the pretend sure, yeah. didn't feel pretentious which is weird for a movie like this like this, like you mentioned Tessa Thompson who is mm. amazing and everything and um, but like there were con- her earrings were in- like sometimes I got it 
But there's like one moment where we zoomed in on her earring and it was a penis. And I was like trying so desperately to figure out. Oh, I love Because we were, but I didn't understand. Like that's, that was my only problem with the movie. I felt like there were a lot of times where the movie was like, this is important. And I was like, why? I don't know why. I, I feel like the movie did a really good job with that though. Like I, I think that. It, it, no, I, that's what I'm saying is like, I, I'm confused, but I'm not angry at it. Yeah. I'm just sort of like frustrated because I can't understand. But that, I feel like that's my fault. But I feel like the, the, the analogy I would make is it's more of like a grab bag of like what you get out of it is what you get yeah, out of it. Yeah. And if there wasn't for you, it wasn't for you. And like like certain moments of it just play for different audiences. Um, but speaking of Tessa Thompson, that was the that was for me the one thing that I'm like I just don't I'm not connecting with this. I don't get it. And it's her art show. Um, her art show just did not click I for me. love that she slipped into white voice for her art show. I did like yeah. that. But it wasn't a different actor because it showed that she kind of kept one foot in herself yeah. even while she was playing the game. I she was so fucking cool. She yeah. was awesome, but I still just I don't It's one of those things where like usually I can go I don't get it and that doesn't bother me whatever. This part just wasn't for me. Her art show is like I don't get it and I want to understand what the fuck is happening. Like I just That's I need I, to that know. That was the most of this movie for me. <laughs> I think I think apart from her performance and I think that would be probably the area where it's like this is where I started kind of Wondering like what, what's the runtime? What do we have left? What what kind of like starting to look ahead of the movie a little bit, trying to see what I could find? Because she she was good in it, but like, yeah, I think if there was any complaint, um, like nitpick, it would be like that's that, that's where I started. It started to lose me a little bit, just because of that confusion. Yeah. And yeah, not like I think yeah, I don't know. That's that was a sticking point for me. And uh, I think apart from maybe some of the stuff with the union, making the union workers look goofy. Like those those two elements are kind of where I kind of like was pulled back a little bit. See the the union stuff that didn't bother me because that feels to me like anyone who's not in a union or have friends with the union whenever they see the union strikes, like ah, oh, just get over it. Like there's a hotel in Chicago that you that went on strike for like ten years. Yeah, yeah. With the big years. rats. Yeah, like they they for <laughs> and people are just kind of annoyed at him. And it's like these people are fighting for their rights, like as human beings to live. But the the general like usual like image of them is not. A glamorous one. It's not a nice one. Well, so and maybe, showing them and, as like crazy soda checking assholes. Yeah. And maybe that's kind of what the the point of it was that like we were seeing them through Army Hammer's eyes. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's because I was like, oh, I don't like the way they are being portrayed. But I think that maybe I'm, you know, in hindsight, as I'm thinking about it, maybe that's kind of how it was supposed to be portrayed because that's how a lot of people see unions in general, right? I think it's a lot about the futility of unions sometimes. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, they, they accomplish nothing in the end. And it's like, so like, let's look at a huge union like UCLA, right? They're, they have a huge union mm-hmm. and they can't fix an issue right now where workers haven't been paid and students aren't getting fee remission and the school, that's happening right now and the school is pretending it's fine and it's like, this should be a $100 million lawsuit. What is happening? But it's like, the unions are run by people who are pretty much unpaid or paid very little. They're people who are either going to school or trying to work or do other things. So it's like, and our capitalist society has done very, very well at making unions powerless. And a yeah. huge mm-hmm. part of it is that when unions were created, they were originally created for like white middle class um, men who are labor workers. And the faces of people who are now in unions have changed. It's mostly women of color, men of color, mostly minorities, a lot of either really older, much older people or much younger people. And we haven't adapted union strategies. We're still trying to bang down doors. And we know that that doesn't work anymore. So for a lot of people, when you see union strikes, you're like, okay, you're banging down a door and handing out these letters, but like, this mother still isn't going to be able to feed her child. What are you doing? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think the the movie did a really good job just mm-hmm. kind of showing that, just like, yeah, they're trying, but it's kind of pointless. Yeah. Especially because yeah. Steven Yeun's character just goes around starting these mm-hmm. strikes. It's like, like that's almost his hobby. He's like playing with people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, and it's another person sort of like Army Hammer where like it's evil on both sides. This guy is the hero in his own story when really all he did was show up and lost a bunch of people their jobs. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of Billy Elliot a little bit because that's what Billy Elliot's about. It's about the struggle. Like yeah. what do you do when you want to do what's right like and want more money? Which, but, uh, I'll get back to that. Uh, I don't want to split my thoughts here. Um, what do you do when you, you, you want what's best for the community but you yourself have trouble paying rent? You know, and our main character yeah. is like, well, I got to take this because I need the money for me. Too bad everybody else. Um, and then I forgot the other point. And not just, and not just him, but, uh, his uncle who is going to lose his house. And he was seriously thinking that's where, like, that was such a moment where he was like, yeah, I'm thinking about going into the, um, worry free, worry free. And it's like, oh, we just punish people for being poor. Mm -hmm. Like you can go to prison for being poor and black. Yeah. Yeah. And the. In it's an another... economy that like punishes those, like it's just horrible. It, yeah, and then people will tell you it's your fault because you somehow didn't work hard enough. Yeah, yeah. and the the interesting thing about this movie for me is that it gets all of these points across without ever really stating them. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it, it's heavy handed for sure, but it kind of has to be. But it, it's not heavy handed in the way of like fully blatantly like putting up a billboard with this stuff on there. But it's still there. Like I'm still just kind of. I'm still processing the movie. I watched it for the first time yeah. under 12 hours ago. And like, I'm not sure 100% how I feel about the movie itself, but the filmmaking from everybody is just so on point. Like, even if I'm not going to walk away going, I'm going to watch this movie all the time, I still loved it. Like, it was just unbelievably that's what I'm well made. Is, I feel kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like that's, like, my D&D character has an intelligence of eight. Sure. So I kind of feel right now like that's who I am in this moment. Like, I saw this movie and I was like, okay, okay, what did that mean? And I still don't have an answer. So some of it is making a well, little more sense. It'll be interesting. I, I, I like to, like, I want to kind of do this as a contrast, but, like, in previous movies we've watched where they have been, like, stylish and they've done style uh, but not said anything. It's very interesting to see that like, even though I don't quite get some things or I, like I'm not quite attaching to parts, uh, I could see where the intentionality was in this. I could see what it was saying. At the end of the movie, I know what the movie said. And yeah. like, it's like it, it doesn't need to repeat itself. I, yeah. like, I got what you said. Yeah. Now I just need to process it and work through it. And it's a, bit, a way different of a conversation to have. And I think a much more important one, like when yeah. a movie like this actually does say something, I think that's a mark of how good it is that it, we're talking more about yeah. – the themes of it. Then yeah. It's giving us a conversation to have instead of just, yep, if that was good or that was yeah. bad. It, or I loved this part. Yeah. And it's also like, it's not for everyone. Like, I think about like, if I showed this movie to my mom, my mom halfway through would be like, what the fuck do you have on my As soon TV? as the horse people showed up. As soon as the horse people showed up. <laughs> as soon as the horse people showed up, she'd probably walk away. She'd probably be like, I'm done now. That's There's where, horse people. That's where Will pulled out his phone and was just like, I can't with mm-hmm. this yeah, movie. No. That and then the union protests because mm-hmm. he was at Berkeley for Occupy and he was just like, fucking hate these people and just like <laughs> dude he's like like i i don't know what this movie's trying to say anymore he's like i got the white voice yes <laughs> yes that's exactly the experience i had in the theater i was like okay okay racism i get it white people bad or well not bad but like white people are problematic okay all right what wait what wait what is this wait no okay it's not about that what is it about now and then it's like you have to play i felt like i have to play catch up so i totally mm-hmm. had the same experience watching it where i was just like i thought i had it i don't have it yeah. Yeah. When it was over, I was like, I literally sat there for a minute and then I was like, I don't know how to feel about mm-hmm. this. 
And I feel like I would probably not watch it again unless someone made me because it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with this. I feel like I, I definitely want to see it again. Like, just kind of like, all right, so now I know what I'm sitting down for. Like, I definitely had a, an easier time understanding it watching last night yeah, than I, I bet, did yeah. in the theater. Um, I really liked all the characters, yeah. though. And yeah. I thought the casting was so smart. Like, mm-hmm. casting Terry Crews as the kind of the hard-ass uncle, he is so inherently likable that you were just like, no, don't go into worry-free Terry mm-hmm. Crews. Like, yeah. we love you. <laughs> and, oh, you and got Army, the house? You got yeah. what you wanted? Yeah. Oh, and Army nice. Hammer was so perfect. I mean, casting someone who's literally part of, like, an American corporate family mm-hmm. is so yeah. fascinating. And the fact that he was just kind of willing to go for it. Even so down, cool. Even down to the white people voices were so great. Yes, Patton Oswalt and David Cross. <laughs> and then uh, because, and I would love to see how they shot that because I'm very curious about like I would love to see the behind the scenes of two black actors putting on white people and doing that, knowing that their voices are going to be overdubbed. I just find that fascinating. And speaking of that guy, though, did you notice that he was doing the painting, the faceless man painting? Mm-mm. No, he didn't notice it. Ah, see, that's where I was smart. Ha-ha. <laughs> you ate intelligence. Um, he was, Sometimes he you was, roll high, right? <laughs> he was... Um, Someone rolled double sixes. <laughs> um, the guy... What's his name? The 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 head guy with the white voice. Uh, the guy wearing the eye patch. Oh, yeah. His um, name is... Okay. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Okay. So, um, he had the eye patch. He had a bowler hat on, and there was, and he was wearing a suit, and he was carrying an apple at one point. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. He was doing the Son of Man, which is a painting by. uh, Hang on. Uh, Internet. By a dude named Rene Magritte, who's a Belgian surrealist. Oh, painter. right, right, right. Okay. And um, and I had to Google it, so I didn't. I just recognized the image, and then I was like, "Why?" And then I had to go, which added to my confusion. And then I went home and I Googled it, and and um, the painting. The painter said that the painting was about the fact that like when you look at someone, you don't see, you don't really see them. Like you look at their like there's an apple in front of his face because you're every time you see people there's the facade that we put on and that's not our real face. So here is this guy doing this fake voice, even wearing an eye patch, so we can't see all of his face. Yeah. And so the idea is that he is portraying an image that is not his real self. It's more about like what is your true self kind of stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. I also think he's casted so well because for people who've seen him, you automatically hate him a little bit because all he does in other movies is shower and cheat like that. That's his thing is he takes showers and he cheats on people who don't believe in it. And it's like, so when you see him, you're automatically like, oh, there's that cheating motherfucker. He's going to fuck somebody up. I hate him. And and that was my immediate reaction without even seeing his character, you know? Here's the, the question about him, though. Do you think he knows about the horse people? Mm. Mm, I don't know if he knows. I don't think he does. Having, having worked in like corporate systems, no. Yeah, like I don't think he does. I think he really like again believes his own narrative, thinks yep. he's doing this thing, and he's not as high up as he thinks he is. You know, which yeah. is what a lot of. Ha- I also think he would have willingly signed up to be yes. a horseman. Yes, Absolutely. he definitely would have been a horseman. They could have sold him on the penis. He's one of those people that would have because mm. all he does is shower and cheat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think you're right. I don't think he knows. Like, I think that he is still thinking he's on the same side as yeah. Cash. And, like, uh, but given the same opportunity, he would have had no problem with the fact he already snorted the drugs. Which, yeah. Which is probably why he wasn't the one chosen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cash was. 
And I also feel like he's he reminds me of a lot of like corporate and district managers that think they're so high up. But yeah. it's like you don't know what's going on. You're not even making that much money. But like you get to control somebody so you feel good. You're making enough money to impress yourself. Exactly. And like mm-hmm. that and that it's just it's another one of those layers in this movie where they do that. Like that's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, no, you're very powerful. Yeah. Look at your six figure salary. It's a hundred thousand flat. <laughs> and good luck in this city making 100 grand but yeah. you know oh yeah six figures and also just the, the way they shot Army Hammer in that scene too there's a few moments where he was sitting down and smiling that his this is a weird note but like his teeth almost look vampiric yeah yeah for sure like when he smiles like you could like he could have been just smugging it up in an episode of True Blood or something mm. as one of those vamp- because like it was vampiric it was very dark I don't know it was a very interesting way that they shot that with the different color palette and everything but also, I've watched like a lot of Hannibal, where they have guys sitting on <laughs> couches, like just like staring each other down. Like it was very, mm-hmm. very well shot. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, there was something else I was going to say about Army Hammer. Now I've instantly forgot. Go my brain. Um, what haven't we really talked about? We talked a little bit about Tessa Thompson's art show. We didn't really talk about her character much, though. Her character irritated me a little bit. I'll yeah. admit it. Because yeah. I felt like she was too hard on him. And there are a lot of people who are like that, but it's like people do need to make money to survive. He yeah. he needed to make sure his uncle didn't lose his house and he didn't get kicked out. And she was like, there's a lot of people who are so about the cause that they forget about the daily struggles of people who need to live. I and feel I, like that's where I related to her a little too much. <laughs> I tend to be like militantly principled mm-hmm. and I'll, I'm a petulant bitch about it. And But then I'll do shit like her at her art show where I'll put on, like, I won't put on a white voice, I'm white, but like, I'll, uh, you know, like, I'll, I'll keep one foot in myself, but I can push the line because I know what I'm about. And like... <laughs> And I was just like, God damn it. I love her so much. <laughs> but also she's like, I, she's admittedly like kind of awful and not a great partner. But like, yeah, I. Yeah, maybe that's she it. It's was, like she's it was a like, bad partner. It was like too real for me, but yeah. I loved her because of it. And I want all her t-shirts. Yeah, no, I would buy those, uh, those dick earrings. <laughs> I want them. No, I know. I just didn't understand. <laughs> I, I didn't Why? care because I wanted them. Like I didn't even look into it. I was like, oh yeah, dick earrings. I'm she thinks it. of dick like a commodity. Yeah. Because to her, men are just as disposable as anything else. Okay. College I'll me would have been I, so I don't know. That's just that. how I feel. <laughs> Dick's yeah. a commodity. Okay. Yeah. I, Sorry, babe. I know you're listening to this episode. Buying <laughs> and selling dick. <laughs> I feel like Sam and me are like those girls that you know when they'll be like men are trash and I hope they burn in hell it's like while we're in loving happy relationships with men we adore god damn it Uh, the the thing about Tessa Thompson though is I think you guys were kind of hitting it there for a moment I, I really do feel like her character is annoying but intentionally so yeah like in it I think they did a really good job with it where it wasn't like you hated her because she wasn't a bad person, but she was kind of like everyone else. She's not a bad person, but she's not in the right either. And I think this movie did a really good job with almost every character in that same sort of vein, like even Stephen Yun and uh, everyone. They're like, oh, they're a good person, but not quite. I also think there's a comparison to be made between, I'm really trying here, is uh, between the egg throwing scene and the white people yelling the N word mm-hmm. is that yeah. it was uh, white people find often find a glee in being given permission and men often find a glee in being given permission to do the things that they're not supposed to do. So you're not supposed to say the N word, but if a black person gives you tacit permission, then you're like, Oh, I get to say it. Ooh. Or kind of a chomping at the bit. Yeah. 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 And you don't, you're not supposed to be violent toward women, but a woman gives you permission. Oh, then it, then there's like this, this like hunger on their faces. That's just like looking at them all feeling so like, 
like, ooh, I'm about to do something dirty, ha, you know? And it's kind of ugh, to watch. Yeah, I didn't really think about that, but you're you're totally right. Like the there was a lot of like that permission, like exploitation. Like, mm-hmm. like they said it was okay, and then you're the one who did it. Mm-hmm. And it's like ugh. that's that's how my ex used to be. He's law enforcement, and and he was kind of racist, and he worked, but he would work with people of color, and because they were in a law enforcement setting surrounded by white men, they would often like he had a Mexican coworker who would often joke about Mexicans in negative ways, and so whenever I would call him on it, he'd be like, "Well, my coworker so and so, he's Mexican, and he says this." You're still not. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a huge thing. And I would say too, like, especially in law enforcement, like this was a theory that we used to have in college all the time when we talked about like different ways. I would rather be pulled over by a white cop than a black cop because a black cop has something to prove. A black cop has to prove that they're in it and that they're about it. So they're going to go after me 10 times as hard versus like the only positive cop experience I've ever had have been like normal white guys who is like, they're just doing their job. They don't have anything to prove. They're just, you know, Hmm. doing their day to day thing. And that's like a theory that like a lot of people have proven over and over again. And the same things with like female cops when they pull women over, it can get really scary really quickly. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so it's similar in that. And it's like, I think they did touch upon it a little bit kind of with the rap scene, which I adored. The rap scene I adored (laughs) so much because I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what would happen. Because we've (laughs) all been in situations where people want you to do something that you're like, I don't rap, I don't dance, like I can't do this. Like Sam was with me one time at a bar where a white girl chased me around the bar. Oh my God, that was horrible. Trying to get me to twerk because she kept saying she loved my body and she wanted like... And she she kept trying to like touch your hair. Yes. That was the first night I met you. Yes. Yes. White people do not do this it was so and when i told her to back off she called me a bitch yeah it was so bad that like her friends came over and apologized my boyfriend gave her a hug like we were just like she found the nicest group of black people to do this too because anybody else would have beat her ass but we were all like she's just clearly this girl has issues so we're all trying just to kind of get her to calm down but she was just like really just excited to like touch me and talk to me and like fetishize me in a very bizarre way. And oh, it was so weird. Yeah. And that oh. was like that version of that scene for me. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> that was, God. that was insane. Yeah. And Sam was, Sam worked so hard for me that day. That's why I love Sam so much. She was like, we will not have this today. You will not touch her anymore. Stop well, trying to she, And she was doing it to Jonte too. Yeah. She started yelling and I was like, he's just helping his friend. You need to back off. And it was just, it was crazy because it was in like, it was in a sports bar in Manhattan Beach. So it's like literally the whitest place. And I'm sorry I invited you guys. I didn't even think about it. (laughs) It was a fun time. It didn't matter until we got chased by the small drunk white woman. (laughs) She was so, she was like the most stereotypical. Like I think she was in like Lululemon tights with her girls. Like literally. too much. Kyle intercepted her from Jonte and gave her a hug. Do you know how he got her to stop talking to us? He started talking about psychology. Yeah. <laughs> and then she ran away. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. 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 Oh, man, uh, but, but moving back to the movie. Uh, I did want to give a point about the movie. Yes. Um, that it's just been fascinating how we've been talking about it and how we've been coming at it. The, the pain points or the, the places that have made us uncomfortable or in a related sort of way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever had a movie where we've all equally had a touch point in this movie in that, such a visceral way. Yeah. Like, like me with the corporate different thing. moments. In different yeah. moments, but all in kind of in a unison. Like this, yeah. it's like this movie was 
a joining together of all our perspectives in a way. And, it's, and yeah. not many movies do that. Actually, none really and do that. That's I'm going to jump back. I don't know how many conversations at this point, but quite a few. You said this movie's not for everyone, Michaela. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree with you, but I think it's one of those movies everyone should see. Yes. At least give it a shot. Like, I know it will push many people away as soon as the naked horse people show up uh, screaming, help me. <laughs> like, it's not exactly a pleasant image. But it's one of those where like I kind of feel the same way about it that I did. Uh, what was it? Um Detroit. Uh, when that one came out, it's like, yeah, no, this movie, it's it's hard to watch. It is brutal. It's mean. But it says a lot of stuff that no one's really talking about anymore. Mm-hmm. So more people should see it. And I think Sorry to Bother You does it in a way that I think the average moviegoer would be like, oh, it's about racism. I've seen movies about racism. It's, like, it's about a lot more. Yeah. And I think it shows you how layered our issue is because it's about racism without being about racism. Yeah. It's about classism without being about classism and like elitism without being about elitism. And it's also about like kind of how, unless you're at the top, we're all kind of on the same level and we're just being yeah. pitted against each other. And I, I, that's mm-hmm. the movie does a great job showing that because it, it doesn't really like it does. Lesser movies would be like, well, racism's bad and we all just need to accept each other and racism won't be bad anymore. And this movie does a great job of like, well, even if we did that, there's still so many fucking problems because of all of these other problems that you can't just solve one. Yeah. Like solving one doesn't fix anything. And even at the end of the movie, when they do solve virtually all of their problems beyond him turning into a horseman at some point, everyone's still just kind of like, yeah, it still kind of sucks, but we have our jobs back. So at least there's that. And, and it's like, problems that like come from the top. Like they they can only be fixed from the top. They can only come from the top. And it's like that's I mean, but I, I think this movie would go one step further of being to the point of pessimism of these problems can't be fixed. We need to figure out a way to deal with them, of just kind of cope with them. Because I don't think this movie pitches the idea of solvable problems. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it just says foundationally we're in such a shit situation. All we can do is try to help each other a little. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean that. I mean for movies that go all negative on that. I do appreciate that. I mean, yeah. I do like when movies go negative, about, but... It doesn't feel totally nihilistic. No, no. not at all. No, no it, it, it's a really... It's kind of like what you said. It's like, yeah, we, we just need to figure out a way to help each other. Like, it's not... Like, the world's not over. It's going to keep going, but things suck and be nice to each other. And it's kind of like a sweet message in a movie that's very not sweet. Like, yeah. It's very mean at points. And, and even the end of the movie is very bitter. He turns into a horse person. And, like, they did a pretty good job, I think, selling you on the idea that he might have just done a really long line of coke. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they kind of wait just long enough where you think, like, well, oh, I guess he did it. Army Hammer is so fucking insistent that yeah. he was like, dude, you just did coke. Like, he's absolutely, there's no, no, like, and we want to believe him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We really want to believe him because yeah. he's Army Hammer and that smile, my God. Yeah. yeah like, it's that, and it's, you don't <laughs> want your main character to turn into a horse person. Yeah. yeah. But for me, it's, I kept coming back to, like, no, there's a horse on the plate. There's a horse on the plate. He's turning into a horse. Yeah. yeah. When he got rid of the image, it turned into a horse. He's turning into a horse. Mm. And I just kind of kept holding on to him. I'm like, oh, I guess I was wrong. And then, nope, no, nope, no, I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, horse people. <laughs> I just like can't unsee the horse people because they did such a good job of making it so grotesque mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, like, ugh, just looking at it. Well, and that was entirely because they did practical. Yeah. 100% practical. Like that, that changes. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, that was all practical? Yeah. Wow. At least from what I've looked up. I haven't, I don't want to be behind the scenes in this movie. Yeah, but I, the, they were definitely suits. Like they were definitely there in suits. They might have enhanced it 
with CGI. I was going to say, because the, the eyes and mouths, well, I guess you could do that with the animatronics, yeah, but the mouths, still The mouths so were definitely impressive. animatronic. They mm-hmm. might have enhanced it, but like you could see them. Which made them look even creepier. Exactly, yeah. but I think CGI. that was the point. Yeah. yeah, If they had done CGI, it would have just been like, oh, horse people. Yeah. I'm so upset that that means there's a horse suit out there in some prop house. <laughs> there's multiple. There was at least right? four of them. Like ruining our lives in some prop house right oh, now. Yeah. Just waiting in a closet for someone like, what's in here? Oh, my God. And you know somebody's going to buy it and put it on display in their weird house. Yeah. And it's going to, Or wear it every Thursday Kyle. night at like right? 7 p.m. as they prance it's around the mansion. It's going to be Kyle. Oh, my God. He's going to ruin my life with that. I'm going to plant that seed. <laughs> Incepted. Um, but we've kind of, I think, hit everything we need to hit on this movie. Is there anything that we've missed that you were just itching to talk about? Danny Glover was great. Danny yeah. Glover was great. Love it when he pops up. Me too. I was surprised. I assumed he was in the movie for like one day. And then he pops up in a couple other shots, other locations. And I was yeah. like, oh, so he's actually in this movie. And I, I really enjoyed looking at the like the crew list. I'm like, who was involved in this movie? It's kind of like a weird list. Like Forrest Whitaker is one of the producers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. But not really pertinent to a conversation. But uh, let's move into quotes. Quotes of quotes. Mine's going to come up very organically because we're just talking about it. I have to go with Danny Glover saying, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. Because he actually said, I'm too old for that shit. They got him to say that. It's like, okay, that's my line, guaranteed. My quote is Tessa Thompson's t shirt that says, The future is female orgasms. Or, yeah, female orgasms. I would wear that shirt so fast. And people would think I'm really weird, but that's okay. Uh, just for humor purposes, I liked when he walked into the gas station and said, 40 on two, and then put 40 cents in the <laughs> <laughs> With that smoking car. <laughs> yeah. I loved his car. I don't want to sing the rap to you guys, but I'm just going to be like, that was my favorite car. <laughs> and I literally walked around my house and sang it to myself. <laughs> because I was like, this would be me trying to rap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for me, it's just anytime they use the white voice and just the, the uh, amount of time they spent saying things, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, this is goofy. <laughs> and just, I, I would crack up having to do like that kind of juxtaposition. And yeah, I just literally anything they said office speak that was so corporate y was just like, I was. Yeah. I liked it when he still said his, uh, like what they would consider like his black things in his white voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's yep. in all the trailers, but like the one for my homies and one for me. Like... <laughs> I also want to give honorable mention to when Army Hammer comes out and he's just like, no, I clearly said the Jade door. That is an olive door. <laughs> <laughs> pointing the gun. What, what, yeah, pointing yeah, with yeah, the gun. gun. <laughs> oh, that was, as soon as it said go through the Jade door, even she was like, there's a lot of jade doors. <laughs> that, I know. that was an olive door, not a jade door. Well, because he did pick like a light. Because yeah, it was like yeah. that's not that's pretty light for a jade. <laughs> I'll get my Pantone book out, but you're wrong. <laughs> uh, review system for today is just gonna be fucking weird. Uh, so I'm gonna go. Any movie you consider to be a good companion piece to this movie. Anything that you would watch with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick because I did see it around like the next week, Black Klansman. Okay, you know because yeah. it's still race issues, but it, there's also a little quirk to that, and, and you also get a guy trying to be white on the phone. <laughs> okay, I, I haven't seen Black Klansman yet. I keep meaning to. It's really really good. I really wanted to see it in theaters, and then you know, Baby and Time are mm. not friends. Um, it, it's easier to understand than this. Movie. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, I'm going to go for a movie that equally had me flustered and confused, and I'm going with Brazil. I bring up Brazil a lot, but this movie—dude, that was mine. Ah, 
it, it had a lot of Terry Gilliam feel to me at times, uh, and it was just the right level of weird. But uh, yeah, at the end of Brazil, I was kind of like, the fuck? At the end of this movie, I was like, the fuck? <laughs> so it worked. I'm going to go with true romance. Okay. Because mm-hmm. that was funny. That was what Will brought up afterward, and I thought it was weird, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh yeah, like a really cool chick and like kind of a scummy, wishwashy dude go on an adventure and people die and shit. Yeah, that actually works. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's, it's very like colorful and upbeat visually, but like kind of a dark message at the end, and both are so cool. Nice. <laughs> I literally have nothing, and the only thing that's coming to me is like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, okay. right? Because that I'm works. Like, yeah. Right? Because I'm like, it's weird enough. It has a weird message. There's a bunch of characters that pop out and are archetypes and are strange. And I'm like, but it's much more lighthearted and no horse people. And if you watch it second, it'd be a good palate cleanser. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, that would be like Chris that. Evans. Yeah, Although yeah. weirdly more muddled in its message. I yeah. had to watch mm. Superstore after this because I was so upset. <laughs> I was like, I have to watch something. I don't have to think during. <laughs> Chewy would say thank you. <laughs> this is going to be kind of a counter-programming note, but I'm going to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two: The Secret of the Ooze. Are you going animatronics? Animatronics, go. but also Evil Corporation. <laughs> they look so that, gross. Yeah, it looks so gross. Um, yeah. That movie has my favorite quote of all time. All time. I used to have it as the noise that when my computer started up, and it's just Shredder screaming, Babies! They <laughs> always have to be babies! babies! <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the angry gurgle at the end of the line that makes it so good. But yes, it's a little superficial, but also I think would be a great counter-programming to this movie. After something so heavy to be something so what-the-fuck would be on brand. And even that one's pretty what-the-fuck. Like, what the fuck was Vanilla Ice doing in that movie? <laughs> Why did anyone think, like, okay, we're going to make realistic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it'll be okay to, like, watch a disgusting giant turtle? <laughs> it's not okay to watch any turtles ever. They're horrible creatures. Uh, you love turtles, Sam? dare you? Well, Sam, why? so against like amphibians and reptiles what did they do to you evolution happened they didn't keep up i have never seen a turtle movie sure not, turtles are awful turtles are amazing and you should watch them eat it's really cute it is really cute that's turtles how you i i've seen real turtles <laughs> <laughs> turtles are how I you wish get that salmonella because i'd love that to be the last thing said on this episode <laughs> <laughs> just repeat the line over again at the very end after we all say bye uh, let's do a quick round of plugs. Uh, as always, listen to Venture Bros, Adventure Bros podcast. Uh, coming up next week, uh, we have two episodes coming out, which is going to be really exciting. We have our normal episode, which is, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, and then we have our Christmas episode. So be sure to listen to that. It's from season one, uh, the very Venture Christmas. Uh, and that will be coming out on Christmas, which I think is next week or the week after. I think next week, week after, I think. Yeah. Uh, nope, it'd be next week or maybe next Sunday. Whatever. It's coming out Christmas Day. Listen Holy to it shit, it's coming so fast. It's right around the corner. Yep. Um, but yeah, I love the Venture Brothers Christmas episode. It's really fun and has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the show. So that's why we <laughs> waited from season one and just going to do it at Christmas. Um, yeah, and then season three has been great so far and I look forward to watching the rest and talking about it. So that's it for me. The web series I worked on called Michael and Michael Arquet is out. Um, if you just go to YouTube and type in Michael and Michael Arquet, it'll come up. Uh, the first three episodes, they shot the pilot a long time ago, but I worked on episode two and three. Episode two is about dinner with the straights. It's uh, our, our main couple who is a gay married couple having dinner with two straight people, and shit goes crazy. Um, and uh, 
Then the second episode takes place at Burning Man. So they're at Burning Man. It's <laughs> fucking funny. It takes place entirely inside the tent. Um, so we just go through all the days of Burning Man and things get crazier and crazier. And it's uh, really, really fun. It's one of my favorite things I've worked on. So. How long are the episodes? I don't know, like webisode. Web like, like five, ten minutes? Five, ten, somewhere right. in there. Somewhere in there. I don't remember. Anything else to plug? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> every Tuesday, you can listen to Samwise. It's an advice podcast where I answer every question using the Lord of the Rings extended editions, including special features. Um, this, By the time you hear this episode, it'll be on its Christmas hiatus because I'm actually going to New Zealand. Ooh. So it's a great chance to catch up. And if you have a question, you can call 608-561-2755 or email sam.wise.ath at gmail.com. Oh, and also, if you visit athpod.com, we have articles every Wednesday and Friday written by some fine people around the table, written by this new writer that we've had join the team called Matt Dykes. He is British. He is British. <laughs> Emily just learned this. <laughs> just learned this because he kept spelling the word color with a U. That's how they do it over That's there. That's how they do it. I, and I actually changed all of them. So you're welcome for removing your British voice from the, your own article. Erasure. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, check those out. Very good stuff. <laughs> yeah, very happy to have Matt officially on the team. Uh, I haven't invited him to any of our stuff internally yet, but I will. He's and good I, on like historical shit. He is. Yeah, he's very good. And uh, yeah, we were chatting and I asked him and he's good to go. So he is officially part of the ATH family, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and look, I just read his Night of the Living Dead article last night and it is wonderful. And when he told me he was going to write it, I'm like, that's one of my favorite movies, so don't fuck it up. And he didn't. He did a very good job. So go Matt oh and if we're uh, I, it's not up yet but I'm developing a new podcast so be on the lookout for that it's going to be called A Dog's Podcast thank you to, for, to Johnny Wrecker for that title suggestion uh, I think it was Johnny Wrecker it I was guess. Elvis wasn't oh, it oh it was Elvis oh you're right sorry my bad it was Elvis who suggested um, and uh, it's going to be about movies where dogs are secondary characters and it's going to be the movie from the dog's perspective and that I'm looking forward to my, so my dog will be a co-host and um <laughs> We'll have guests on every week. As well as the dog. As well as the dog. <laughs> can hook him up to the you microphone. You know, he doesn't shut up, so it's, I figured I might as well make him a co-host. It and works. And then he can just participate. There you and go. It is a dog's podcast. It is a dog's podcast, yeah. yes. Uh, that's everything, right? Plug-wise? Yeah. Uh, you so can far? follow me. Oh. Follow me at Champagne Calcite at Instagram or Black and Petty at uh, Twitter. I live tweet shows <laughs> so that I don't have to text my friends anymore because they have real dops. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was gonna. Th- last time you mentioned that, I was gonna think of a show for you to do and live tweet, and then I totally forgot. Oh, it's it's a lot of fun. What did th- I did? Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was my last one. <sighs> did you watch the Christmas special? No, I'm so excited. I really want Harvey to die because he's just so whiny. I wish he died. <laughs> same, same. All right, we're gonna say goodbye <laughs> and thank you for listening. Tune in next week for our Christmas battle, which will be all. It was originally all been Lifetime movies, and then that was too hard. So we ended up doing Lifetime, Hallmark, and mostly Freeform. But we have a bunch of movies coming, and they're going to be a ton of fun to talk about. So be sure to tune in. Thank you, and bye! Bye! bye. bye.